Atmosphere Church podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. How are you all doing? Good to see you again. We had a good first service. I'm going to zoom in on that clock right there. Um, a lot of things have changed since we were last time. My wife became a Rams fan. That's interesting. My wife wasn't even a football fan. And I, I travel and I said, what are you doing? I'm watching the Rams. Uh, seeing the guys is really a lot of fun. You know, it's so funny. This is my book, my new book, my latest one. And I'm writing another one now, but uh, this is a prayer for every day of the year, 365 days with a verse to back it. And so it's kind of weird because I'm going to talk to you about God's stories today, but I uh, was looking at my notes last night. I went to bed and, and see, I'm using like 20 verses with you today. When you get me, you get a lot of the word. That's just what I do. That's my average. And I thought, man, for special speaking, this is probably too many verses. And I got this morning thinking, God confirmed to me, am I using too many verses? Use my own book for today's devotional. That's weird. And you know what today's devotional says? Lord, help me to understand that the Bible is your words given to mankind. Help me to understand the teachings of your words so I can have success in life. There is no source of truth on this earth that is greater than your word. Help me to cherish it, study it, defend it, and most of all, live by it. Amen. Amen. And so I, it's weird when you confirm things to yourself. <laughs> I was somewhere a while back, no joke, and I was really struggling with something. And I go, man, I need a word. God, I need a word. He's turned on the radio right now. I felt God said that. And I turned it on, and it was me preaching. I pulled over and took 10 minutes of notes. I wouldn't look up going, whoa, this is good stuff, good stuff. Wait, what you saw? What you saw? Uh, it was me. That's weird. That's really weird. Uh, I'm going to watch closely what I say today because I'm known to sometimes be long-winded. I don't know about you, but one of the biggest struggles today is my tongue. Anybody with me? I have to continue to pray over it. And I took a caffeine pill so I can really wear you out today if I'm not careful. I was telling the Vegas uh, church a story the other day, and it's a funny story that I even pattern my life a lot by. A guy had to go on vacation, and he left his pet cat with his brother. And so he was gone for a while. He called home. He said, how's everything going? He said, well, your cat died yesterday. He said, she died? And you just blurted out like that? He said, well, what am I supposed to say? Your cat died. He said, well, you should have when I called home. He said, look, the cat's on the roof. And I need to let you know, and it won't come down. And then the next day I call back, you could say the cat's still on the roof and won't come down. Third day I call, you say the cat's still on the roof and won't come down. It's not looking real good. And then the fourth day, you could have said it died. <laughs> and he said, okay, whatever. Next year he goes on vacation, he calls home, and he says, how's everything going? And he said, mom's on the roof and she won't come down. <laughs> Now, that's silly, but I use that. That, that story's changed my life to a degree. 
When I have to go do something, tell somebody they're gonna be, lose their job or, or something, my wife will say, don't forget the cats on the roof won't come down, don't forget. And it really brought a lot of wisdom to me. Now, I'm writing a new book and it's on the 92 God stories that have happened to me in my almost 50 year walk with God. These stories, guys, no one can explain. They are radical and crazy. And so I'm writing this new book. My daughter's the reason I'm writing it, Tara, Pastor Jim's wife, she told me, she says, Dad, if you don't write this book, these stories are going to die with you. You can't let that happen. We need the legacy. And I'm going to use five today that aren't at all the most dramatic. I'm going to be careful because you don't know me that well. And uh, you'll think I'm crazy if I use the most dramatic ones, so I want to be careful. See, I believe that when God looked down and wanted to start this fantastic revival in Central California, I think he looked down and he saw me. I wasn't his first choice, I know. California, Bakersfield now is the leading city in the United States for charismatic Christians in the whole U.S. I think God looked down one day and he goes, you know what? There's Ron Vietti. You know, there's a lot of guys that are smarter than him that I could use. And there's a lot of guys, man, that are more educated than him. And there's a lot of guys that love God more than him. But, you know, I need a little crazy, and I think he'll do. <laughs> I think that's probably what happened. It is my opinion that most Christians are living so far below the level that God wants them to live by. It's always in my opinion. And so I'm going to read a few verses to you. Before I do, I know it's kind of redundant, but I need you to know again how I became born-again Christian. I was raised in a Christian home that I felt was full of hypocrisy. And I just felt, you know what? This Christian stuff isn't real. I grew up thinking that Christians were weak people that needed some God and heaven thing, and I felt sorry for them. And so... When I did finally get saved through a set of circumstances, I said, God, if you're not the God of the Bible, I don't want you. I want that God in the Bible. I don't want to play games. I don't need to go to church and sing these little silly choruses. I don't need to do any of that. If you're the God of the Bible, you show me, and I'll serve you the rest of my life. And boy, did he ever show me. He showed me. And so I want to look at a few verses in the beginning, and I'm going to take you somewhere John 10 and 10. Now, this is the word of God. It can't lie. And it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. The Greek word is excessive life. life more life than what you know what to do with. And the word, Greek word is also advantage. A life that is advantageous to you. Whoa. Look at John 4, 14. But those who drink the water I give, Jesus says, will never be thirsty again. Hello, hello. You know what? I might be tempted every once in a while with things in life, but there is no other lifestyle I want. I have found the lifestyle that I want for the rest of my life. He says, you'll never be thirsty again, but that water that they drink will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. That fresh bubbling stream. Look at the next one, Acts 8, 6. Because people say, you know, that miracles and signs and wonders was only for the disciples and it died with the disciples. Well, here's a guy that's not even a disciple. And it says, the crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was being said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. And the next one. 
It says, and Stephen, another guy, he's not one of the 12, was full of grace and power and was performing great wonders and signs among the people. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5. Paul says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep, deep, deep conviction. You know how we love, lived among you for your sake. And then Acts 1 and 9, we misinterpreted this verse way too long. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And by the way, you'll be my witnesses in all these places. It does not say you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so you can share your story with people. That word power there is dunamis in the Greek, and it means miraculous power, the inherent power of the Holy Spirit himself. You know what this verse is saying? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the inherent power of the Holy Spirit will be so strong in you in a daily routine that you'll be a witness to everybody. That's what it says. It's not about going out and, and, and sharing your faith as much as just they'll see your life and the Holy Spirit's evidence in your life is going to witness to people. For example, we had a fire captain lived next door to us for years. And I never once invited him to church or tried to win him to Christ, but I'd come out sometimes to go to my car and I'd say, hey, Mark, Mark, you will not believe what happened. I know you're not even a Christian, but you know what? God did this right now and it's so cool. Wow. I said, I'm sorry, Mark. Two weeks ago, by Mark, guess what? I had a deliverance. I know you don't think about deliverance. I got to tell you what happened. This is crazy. And, and I was just going by my way. I never even invited him to church or said anything. And then one day I looked down. There he was in church. He said, I started coming three months ago. Your lives are to be a witness in themselves. Again, uh, I'm going to give you the highlights of my life. 92 stories is going to be in this book. I haven't got the title of it yet. I don't know. But my life normally, and I want you to know this, I'm giving you five today of highlights, defining moments in my life. And again, I, I kind of toned them down. Didn't want to give you five too heavy because what you would think. But lo and behold, my life's like yours. Here's the way my life goes. My life has a pattern. I'll go normal mundane stuff three or four weeks, and then I'll have a God story, a little one, not big but pretty. And then I'll have another one, maybe three in a row, and I'll go, woo! And then I'll go another four weeks, maybe one God story, and then go six weeks to have a big, gigantic God story, and then Monday. And that's the way it goes all the time. You say, give me the little God stories, because they happen quite often. I was called up to the hospital the other day to pray for someone in the church's son. They said, Pastor Ron, would you please come? He's in ICU, and he's not doing well at all. I walked in expecting a 12, 14, 15-year-old kid, and there lie a little three-year-old boy as cute as a bug in a rug. And he was on, he was intubated, and I go, oh, gosh. And so I, I, I walked in there, and I, I started I, I talking to them for a while, and I said, I'm going to pray for him right now. And I didn't want to touch his little arms. They felt cold. So I laid my hands on his chest, and I prayed one of those prayers that I felt, man, this is a prayer. This prayer is powerful. And I couldn't wait to see what happened. So the next day, I called him. I said, what, what's going on? They said, he's the same. I said, oh. And I called the next week, the same. I said, oh, he's getting a little better, a little better. Now, see, the Bible doesn't say, it doesn't teach us that when we pray, miracles are going to happen. The Bible says the fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. Doesn't say it's going to change things, but it has to be a righteous person. And so, lo and behold, 
three or four weeks went by and I just thought, man, God, that was such a powerful prayer. I thought it was a life-giving prayer. And they called me the other day and they said he's getting out of the hospital now up in a, a children's hospital in Madeira. And so they just told us the day you walked in, they said, we didn't want to tell you, but you were losing that baby. He was going into cardiac arrest that day and we didn't want to tell you. And he said, Pastor Ron, did you realize you laid your hands on his chest and you prayed the most powerful? Me and my family's convinced that God through you saved our son's life that day as you laid your hands on his chest. And so those things happen a lot. And so now before I start to, I'm not a faith prosperity guy. I'm not one of those guys, you know, the pie in the sky. I'm telling you today, as Christians, we will still go through almost everything the world goes through. We will hear the word cancer. We will lose loved ones. We might lose marriages and lose homes and lose... We go through what the world goes through. The only difference is God walks closely with us through every one of them. And Paul taught us that the God I serve turns trials into triumphs. I have never known him not to do that. Not once. I don't know the tears, bucket full of tears I might be crying tomorrow. I have no idea. I have no idea the hurt and pain I might go through. But I will tell you, after walking with my God for 50 years, I don't, no matter what I go through, my God will show up for me at some point in time. I will I take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. Um, when I was on the radio in a whole bunch of cities, 450 cities a day, I was on up north. And one day... Uh, a guy got a hold of me, and his name was Daryl uh, Farley. And he says, my son, Matt's about eight or nine, and he's dying of cancer. And I just feel like, you know, you minister. He's a pastor. In fact, Daryl's a pastor of Assembly God Church. But he said, you're my pastor. He said, you minister to me all the time. I want to bring my boy down for you to pray for him. When would be a convenient time? I said, your boy's really sick. I said, I'll come up there. So I started going up there, praying for his son, became really good friends to Daryl and Gina, and Matt died of cancer. And I did his funeral. Uh, and so Daryl one day called me a couple years after Matt was dead. And he said, Pastor Ron, I've got a God story. I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you. This is so crazy. I said, what is it, Daryl? He said, I went to bed last night missing my boy like never before. I was just missing him. And I said, God, can you give me a word? Can you give me something, a dream or something? Give me something to show my boys in your presence. He said, that night, Pastor Ron, I had a dream. And me and Gene and Matt were in Disneyland. And he was walking in the middle of us. We were holding his hand. We were having the best time in the world. We come around the corner, saw my two older daughters. They were in a roller coaster, and they had just, just ended up on the ride right there, both of them there. And they said, hi, Mom and Dad. End of the dream. He said, you know, it was good, but it wasn't what I wanted. I thought a little more. And he said, no joke, Pastor Ron, are you sitting down? He said, my daughter called me this morning and says, Dad, I had a dream about Matt last night. I said, well, I did too. She said, you tell me yours first. Now, remember his dream was Disneyland, hand and hand. They said, we were in a roller coaster ride and we looked around the corner and here came you and mom and Matt. And said, so we looked at Matt and said, we thought you were dead. And he says, no, I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm in heaven with Jesus. They finished his dream. You tell me that's not a miracle. See, God... Will, he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He's going to go through everything with us step by step. And you can take that to the bank. Now, I, uh, I'm just going to dive right into it. I'm going to give you five lessons I want you to learn today. 
And then I'm going to sprinkle each one of these lessons with a defining moment in my life. Now, again, I'm kind of taking it easy on you here. But I'm going to give you the first thing I want you to see. And that is, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Christians, I'm telling you, God's showing up in your life a lot, but you're not recognizing it as God. For example, remember the two guys on the road to Emmaus after Jesus had resurrected? They were walking along, Jesus joined them, and at the time they didn't know it was Jesus, but afterwards with hindsight, they said, wasn't our heart burning within us? Why? Because the Lord had joined their group. He's showing up and we're not recognizing him. In the Arco volumes, which I like to read, whether they're true or not, Pontius Pilate in one of those uh, writings said that Jesus appeared in a room with him after the or for the for the death and resurrection. But he says, as I interviewed Jesus, he said, I'm a Roman in which my blood flows no fear at all. He said, I'm not afraid of anybody. But as I stood in the room with that Nazarene, he said something about him gave me the chilly willies. He didn't use that word, he used another word. But he gave me the chilly willies. He said, because you know what? That wasn't a man. That wasn't a man. See, he had felt the presence of God in the room. Uh, several years ago, I was driving to UCLA because most of you know that I was diagnosed with cancer, leukemia in 1997. UCLA gave me four years to live at the most. And I was on my way down to UCLA, and I remember, man, being heavy in burden, just a heavy burden on me. I just was, oh. And I told my wife, I said, I'm depressed today. I'm trying to get up. And as we sat there, I started trying to read a book. And all of a sudden, I looked at my wife. She was driving, and I said, Debbie, God has just entered the cabin of this car. I said, I don't know who's praying for me, but somebody's praying for me. Debbie, all of a sudden, my burden is lifted. I feel the presence of the Lord. And I told her, mark the time right now. Look, it's 6.22 a.m. I'm telling you, I'll find out who's praying for me. About 15 minutes later, one of my pastors called me, Pastor Tom Touchstone. And he said, I was praying for you this morning hard. I said, what time are you praying? He said, I went to prayer at 6.20. And at 6.22, I felt the presence of the Lord. What does that tell you? I was up at Fort Ord when I was in the army and I had broken my ankle. And the guys, I, I was really depressed and the guys told me one day, they said, you know what? Come on, go to the movie show with us. You need to get out of the barracks. So I went and I remember I was so down and all of a sudden the same thing happened. I'm standing in line for the movie show and all of a sudden I feel this euphoric, like almost giddy, like, whoa, what's going on? All my depression's gone. And I remembered it was 7.15 on Wednesday night and my parents were at a prayer meeting in Bakersfield and they were praying for me. I'm telling you, take this stuff to heart. I'm telling you, it works. The spirit is strong. That's why they call alcohol spirits, because what does alcohol do? It, it changes you, makes you do crazy things. <laughs> when you drink a bunch of spirits, alcohol, do you not feel it? When people are praying for you, you'll feel the Holy Spirit. If they know how to pray, so you can touch people anywhere with prayer. Unbelievable. Now, look at... Uh, First uh, Corinthians 2.14, it says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Look at Psalms 119.76. Oh, may your loving kindness comfort me according to your word to your servant. Psalms 116.1 and 2. I love the Lord. I really love him. You know why? Because he hears me, my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore, I'll call upon him as long as I shall live. 
that's my testimony. How about yours? I love the Lord because he hears Ronald, Ronaldo, Luigi, Pasquale, Romani, Ovietti. <laughs> he hears him. And because he hears me, I will call upon him forever and ever and ever. Gang, some of you need to take time out and get acquainted with the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He's around you. He's with you. The second thing I want you to learn today, learn to follow the Spirit and the voice of God. In the Old Testament Hebrew, the, the word for, for wind or spirit is ruach. In the New Testament, it's pneuma. The Holy Spirit is the holy ruach of God. The wind. See, some of you, you're not living obediently to God. See, some of you athletes and some of you Rams guys and you real athletes, even if I ask you to go out there today, and let's say the wind's blowing 85 miles an hour, and I say, run 500-yard dashes into the wind. Would you do that for me? You'd probably at the end go, Pastor, that's too hard, man. That wears me out going into the wind. But if I run this way, that's great. Some of you in your lifestyle, you're running against the wind. It'll tire you out. It'll wear you out. You got to go with the Holy Spirit, not against the Holy Spirit. What do you mean? Well, you know, Debbie and I had a little spat this week. And we don't normally have them. And you know what? I thought, I'm not apologizing to her. It was her fault. <laughs> if I apologize, she ain't going to learn the lesson, God, you want to teach her. <laughs> and so honestly, I, I, I'm getting around the house and she'll walk by and I'm, whoa, you know. And I'm, it's so hard to do to keep a grudge. I had to keep telling myself, keep a grudge, keep a grudge, keep a grudge, keep it, keep it. <laughs> and finally, I went in uh, the next morning. And I, when she woke up, I sat her by her bed and I said, I'm a jerk. I'm a jerk. Debbie, I know I'm going through a lot right now and I'm taking it out on you and it's so wrong. Please forgive me for being a jerk. And she's so sweet. She says, oh, you're forgiven, you know. And then I felt so good because I wasn't running against the wind. I was going with the wind. And the Bible says when you repent, times of refreshing comes. And I felt, oh, it feels good right now, yeah. See, the story, when I started the ministry... I got it going with probably this many people right here, probably. And I got it going, and I wanted to be a lawyer attorney, and I, my daughter and I took law classes together. And long story short, I started praying this crazy prayer. And I mean, I prayed it 15, 20 times over and over and over and over. Just me and God, me and God, me and God. But here's what I prayed. I said, God, I got the ministry going. Now bring a real pastor in and put him in the front seat and put me in the back seat. I'd pray it again. Lord, bring a real pastor and put him in the front seat, put me in the back seat. Put him in the front seat, me in the back seat. Oh, no, no, no. Nobody heard that prayer, me and God. And then one time, a bunch of kids in my church, young people said, hey, there's this prophet coming through town. We've been going every night. There's a revival. And man, he's really cool. He gives words to people. And I go, wait a minute. Most of these guys are phony as a $3 bill. I said, let me go scout him out tomorrow. If he's a real prophet, maybe he'll prophesy over me, right? And so I went that night, and there's about probably as many people as here in the building. And I sit there with a long sleeve shirt on, had a beard. You couldn't tell I was a pastor. And so this prophet comes out, and he says, okay, everybody wants, to word, wants a word from God, come line up. And so people ran up, started lining up, and they said, you going to go up? I said, heck no, I'm not going up there. So he didn't, even, he didn't prophesy over one person. He just started, and he stopped, and he started walking back down the church. And he walks up to me and goes, you, God has a word for you. Me? I walk in, he said, thus saith the Lord, you shall be in the front seat and not the back seat, says the Lord. 
I said, you're kidding. It overcame me so much, I started bawling. I, just, I hit the altar and started bawling. I thought there's no way, no one except God knew those words. No one. Look at Acts 20, 22. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Why is he on his way to Jerusalem? Because he's bound by the Spirit. He recognizes the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Next verse. Immediately, the Spirit impaled him to go out into the wilderness. And then Romans. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. One of the most exciting things in my life is walking in the Spirit, letting him guide you on and on and on. Now, hearing God's voice is much the same thing. Did you know you, you all hear God's voice a lot and you just don't know it? Like for me, when I'm having to argue with my wife, I hear this word, apologize, apologize. That ain't the devil. That's not the devil. The devil ain't telling you that. That's God. You're watching something bad on TV and something says, turn the channel, turn the channel. That's the Holy Spirit. In even other ways, you keep remembering that Joe Schmo or Mary Spilling, she's in the hospital and you keep hearing it here in your mind. I need, I need to go, I need to go, I need to go. Hey, stop and go because that's probably God. Most people don't walk with God because they make it a way too difficult and I'm gonna talk about that in just a moment. Uh, some of you came to church today because God told you to come. Some of you, it's just autopilot, you go. But some of you weren't even thinking about coming today. And God got you here because he has a word for you. Look at the third one. Well, let me say something first. Let me go back for the third one. Let's hold that a second. Pastor Jim's doing a study in 2 Peter 1, and I'm doing the same study. We came about at the same time, didn't even know each other were doing it. But you know, it says in that study that if you do these eight things that Jim's talking to you, Pastor Jim's talking to you about, that you will never stumble. You know why you'll never stumble? Because in those eight things, one of them is a value system. You'll be going to church, and that'll keep you from stumbling. How many times do you come to church and it's like the pastor was in your house last night? <laughs> He's speaking to you. And see, we all have a tendency to get off over here, get off over there. But when we come to church, God centers us again. It's one of his methods. And I might say more about that in a second. Look at the third one because I got to keep watching the clock. You got to choose to believe in the other world. What other world? The world where the Holy Spirit dwells. The world where demons are bountiful. A world where angels are at. Right now, as I sit here, I'm in some of the biggest trials in my entire life. You wouldn't know it, but I'm involved pretty deep in a lot of stuff. And uh, uh, I mean, just things that's threatening, everything else. And uh, I'm trying to figure out now if any of them are demonically connected. I think one or two of them are. And that'll show me how to pray and that'll show me how to approach the problem. See, we don't get it. Today there are TV shows on TV. They are infatuated with the living dead and demons and vampires. We live in the real world of that stuff. And ours isn't made by Steven Spielberg. Ours are real. Yeah, I'm like Jim. I've done more. I've taught all my guys how to do deliverances. I've taught them all that stuff. That's the world we live in. The world of the invisible. My son Josh, very athletic and likes to snowboard. And 
uh, some years ago, before he was married, he had told me, he said, Dad, I'm going to go snowboarding at Mountain High or wherever. And so like 6.30 in the morning, he knocked on my door and said, Dad, I'm leaving. And I prayed something that I pray so often. But here's exactly how I said it. I was I didn't even, not even sincere. I just said, Father God, right now, send an angel with him and keep the angel with him all day long. In Jesus' name, amen, to protect him. And I went back to sleep. A few hours later, I got a call, and they said Josh was in a horrible snowboarding accident, and they're taking him to San Bernardino, the hospital. I said, okay, I'll get over there. Went over there, and we got him. Everything brought him home. And he's with four other kids, and one, one girl's named Beth Garcia. She's really a strong Christian. And so she called me that night afterwards and said, Pastor Ron, can I come to your house? She said, I think there was an angel in the room with Josh today. And she said, I wasn't going to talk to you about it, but I prayed and asked God to give me a supernatural verse. I opened my Bible, pointed it down, and said, the angels are among you. She said, I knew, I knew. I said, tell me about that. She'd come over. She says, Pastor Ron, when Josh got hurt, they took him into the ski lodge, and they had him in there. And we all went in there, and this real feisty older lady said, everybody out. I don't want anybody in here. Everybody out. And so we all went out except one young man, and he just sat there right by Josh watching him. And she said, he, I said, well, I wonder why he doesn't have to go. I had to go back in to get directions and, and tell him something a couple of times. Every time I went in there, that young man sitting right by Josh, just looking at him. And one time I went in, Josh said, my, my hip, my hip, it's hurting. And that young man went up and just took his leg and gently turned it. It was holding it. And so she said, Ron, I think it was an angel. Well, I said, well, let's talk to Josh. I, went, I said, Josh, who was in you? Who was with you in that room at the ski lot? He said, nobody, an old lady, that was it. I said, Josh, he's dad. I was coherent the whole time. Nobody was in that room, but that, not even one. Was there, no young man was ever in there, not even one time. I said, it was an angel of God. He answered my prayers. I said, Beth, tell me more. I said, well, he came right down the slopes with Josh. Never left him. I thought he was his best buddy. Stayed in there the whole time. Did not leave him. And when he went out, he went out to the ambulance, everything. I never saw him again. He was gone. And so, yeah, why would I think that was my prayer? Look at Luke 4.10. And say with me, this is the word of God. Say with me, this is the word of God. He can't lie. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. Is that, is that a fairy tale? Is that a myth? Look at the next one. It says, for our, our angels, angels are all ministering spirits, and they, were, they are sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. And the next verse, it says, for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. The Bible says some of us have entertained angels and not been aware of it. Hello. If you're a single guy sitting by a single girl, this is your chance. Say, are you an angel? <laughs> Pastor Ron said, and you sure look like one. <laughs> I was giving somebody a word the other day, and I said about this guy that looked this beautiful lady, and said, you know what? You remind me of my first wife. Really? How many times have you been married? He said, I haven't been married yet. <laughs> you know what breaks my heart? I know that 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 if I could have free reign in some mental institutions, I would take quite a few people out with me. Totally sane, totally sane. Not, not all of them. There's a lot of reasons for mental illness. There are a lot of people that are in there that are demon-possessed. And they're trying to tell you, we hear voices, I hear voices, and they all write them off. Psychotic. 
They do hear voices because they got demons in them. That's the other world. We have three men in Bakersfield, three men that were plagued with suicide, and they've all three been delivered with spiritual warfare. And they're living great lives, great lives. Number four, we need to develop a simple childlike faith. If you were around me a lot, you'd probably, your intelligence would be insulted because I'm so childlike. I mean, it's crazy. I walked in here this morning and I had a, another sermon with a little more depth to it. And I was, I was thinking that one or this one and somebody met me at the door and was it Phil, one of you guys, and, and just said, hey, I said, you know what? You're supposed to go with the old stuff, whatever, and, not, and I go, whoa, that's it, that's it. But last week in Vegas, I was telling this story. For, for years, God had been saying something to me about going to Africa, going to Africa, going to Africa. Man, you need to have a ministry in Africa. And so one day I got up and I said, God, I'm tired of just thinking that's what I'm supposed to do. I need a confirmation. And as I was praying, I come up with this crazy idea. I said, Debbie, Debbie, Debbie. I felt like God said to go to the bookstore at Fashion Show Mall and there's gonna be a big book that says Africa. And that's gonna be my confirmation. Let's go to the mall and watch this. So we walk down there and I see this big glass window and all the books are you know, out there. And I go, ah, ah. Nothing. And I go, oh, man. And Debbie says, well, I guess you were wrong. I said, I guess I was. Go ahead and shop. I love bookstores anyway. So I went in there and I started just looking at some books on Vegas and everything, history of Vegas. And, and Debbie came back. You're right. I said, yeah, I'm ready. Went to leave and this book falls off the top shelf, bounces off my head, falls on the floor and it says, Africa. <laughs> Guys, I don't embellish this stuff. That's just the way it happened. And I said, God, did you throw that at me? You threw that book at me. Since then, we've been to Ethiopia and we've built 29 schools, 29. And we, listen, we build every one of them in Muslim villages and put Christian teachers in them. And we're not even about through yet. But see, some, God had planted a seed in me about Africa and, and it was growing all the time. Listen to me, some of you, you're not, you're, not, you're blowing it. Because we are supposed to be seed planters. Some of you, you want your unsaved loved ones saved. You want them knowing God, but you're not giving God anything to work with. We're called to plant seeds and then let God make them grow. For example, I was in the gym the other day and a big tough guy, I do this a lot, I've been about 10 times the last year. Another big tough guy and I called him over and I said, hey, I wanna tell you something. I said, give me something I can pray about. He looked at me like, what? And I said, give me some praise. Well, I got, I said, no, give me one thing because I'm going to show you God's real because he wants you in his family. I'm telling you, he wants you in your family, big guy. And he looked at me like, I don't know who you are. This is kind of weird. <laughs> now, when I, when I go in the gym, I'll see him on the treadmill or something. I'll just walk by and I'll go, hey, yoga. <laughs> That's all I do. I'm watering the seed. I'm just watering it. <laughs> do you see how easy this is? Say with me, It's easy. But you gotta plant seeds, tell someone. Say, you know what? I wanna be really truthful with you. Your family needs a new you. Because the old one isn't cutting it, man. And God loves you. You just planted a seed. Then you go pray for him. Man, dude, you need to come to church. I'm telling you. Every time you see him, you're gonna come to church at some point in time. You know, if that's gonna be a seed plant and other people are gonna water it. So you have to give God something to work with. And so believe in the other world. Number five, I just got two more and I'm out of here. <laughs> Develop a simple childlike faith. A simple childlike faith. 
Where in the heck am I at? Uh, that, I already said that one, right? Where did have it? Okay, don't ever give up hope. That's the next one. Don't ever give up hope. Uh, again, I already told you that study in Second Peter is just phenomenal. The Lord says, there's these eight things. If you do these things, or Peter, the Lord said through Peter, he said, man, your life's going to be right in the sweet spot. And the first thing you have to do, and this is where Christians are failing, you can't do the things because they're all, they're all staggered. The first thing is you gotta have diligence in your faith. That's opposite of laziness. You gotta get with the program. You gotta get fired up. Get your first love back for God. That's the first thing. And then it says after that, you gotta add moral excellence. Moral excellence, the word is also moral virtue. And I use Aristotle's word for virtue. Aristotle said virtue is the quality in between two extremes. And so I think what God's saying is once you get on fire for God, if you don't watch your, your value system, you gotta put a value system in place that you can live by. Because once you get fired up for God, you gotta be careful because, man, you know, when I got fired up for God, I go, okay, you know what? The men of God prayed at three in the morning every morning, so I'd get up at three and pray and I was wasted the rest of the day. And I say, man, the men of God, they won people to God every day, and I'm on fire for God, so I'm going to win a person, and I didn't even like myself. And so all that started. And so after you get on fire for God, moral virtue means you've got to get a value system in place that you can live with. One that, 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 you know, you're not on it one day and off the next. And then after that, you add knowledge. You get the passion and after you get the passion going, you've got to get some priorities laid, and then you've got to get progress. Listen to me. Most people, after they graduate from school, hardly never read a book again because they think that education was one point in time. Education is an ongoing process. You parents and grandparents, listen to me. Your children and grandchildren are growing up in an era right now where knowledge is doubling every two or three years, and you better be on your game because the atheist world out there is going to try to take their faith away, and they're going to have questions that you are going to have to answer. You're going to have to study, continue to grow. They're, they're going to be plagued with these questions like, your God's not a loving God. Look, he killed people back here. What are you going to say to that? This Bible is relevant for today. What do you think about this? That you have to have the answers. So you can sit down and walk with your children through that and say, hey, so don't stop growing. After knowledge comes self-control. Oh my goodness, and I'm not going to preach on this today, but there's a lot of things I don't want to do, but I make myself do them. Why? because of the promises after this list of things in 2 Peter. It says, if you do these things, you'll never stumble. I told you why you wouldn't stumble, because in your value system, you'll be going to church, you'll be doing devotions, that'll keep you on track. Number two, so you won't be short-sighted. See, there's a lot of things I make myself do today and I don't let myself do today because I see a goal in the future. It says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame You've got to have a goal. I want to die with a legacy. I want my grandkids to respect me. I don't want to die a dirty old man. I don't want to die some way. I don't, I, I've got a goal in life, and so I'm going to use self-control to get there. See, Charles Blondin was a world-famous tightrope walker, and he would walk over the Grand Canyon everywhere, and one day a reporter asked him, said, how do you keep from... from Losing your concentration and falling. He said, next time you see my tightrope set up somewhere, 
Look at the platform at the other end and you'll see a big silver star. I look at that star and I never take my eyes off of it. And that's how I keep from falling. I see my legacy that I want to leave for my kids. I see the testimony I want to leave for them. I see the anointing that I want to go out of this world. And see, I've already made up my mind. I've asked God. He hadn't told me yet. I asked him if I could live to 85. And if he grants that, I guarantee you, I won't change my mind, I'll have a dying birthday party my 85th year. And I will die that year. I guarantee you, I will. I will. So, I don't know why I said that. It wasn't even in my notes here. But it's just... See, I got carried away. I need a value system I can live with. <sighs> Psalms 89.4. I'm just going to read this one, guys, on this one. It says, I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. Selah. Stop and think about that. I won't read the others. Uh, Let's go to the very last one. Don't expect God's ways to always make sense. Hello. Abraham one day comes to his wife and said, hey, God told us we're moving to a new land. Where are we going to, husband? I think he said that way. Doesn't make sense. Noah, build a big ship. What's a ship? Gideon, I can't believe when he was faced with the enemy of 135,000 foot soldiers, Midianites had 135,000. Gideon went and tried to gather an army together, and he got 32,000 guys together. And God looked at him one day and said, hey, that's too many soldiers, too many. This could be a TV commercial. God says, get them together, all the soldiers say, if any of you are really afraid, you can leave. And so he did, and 22,000 said, hey, thanks for asking us, you know, we're out of here. And God finally got him down to 300 soldiers and said, it's my will that you fight that 135,000 with 300. Because if we did it any other way, you would think it was by your power that you accomplished this. And I want you to know it's only by my power. And I'm going to make it very difficult for you. God does that all the time. He wants to show us that it's his power. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean under your own understanding. Because if you lean to your own understanding, you're going to mess things up. You'll do things you shouldn't do. And it says, then acknowledge him in all of your ways, and then your path will be straight. God's been trying to tell you a lot of things, but you're not acknowledging him, so you're getting off path. You got to say, that's God. That's God. I'm supposed to go to church today. That's God. Now, listen to me. We were in Mulahe some time ago. And uh, did I skip a God story? I don't think I did. Um, yeah, I go back, go back. Let me just do these last two. Let me, let me go back to don't give up hope, and I'm going to do one last one. I'm out of here. Don't ever give up hope. Most of you know that I uh, was diagnosed with leukemia in 97, four years to live. And during that time, the people loved me so much. They were, they were giving me worming medicine from Mexico. They were giving me pills to take. They were giving me all this medication. They, they were just flooding me stuff. This will heal you. This will heal you. This will heal you. And so I started praying and really seeking God, and, and God gave me some words. And, and one word he gave me is like Hezekiah got 15 more years to his life at it. And so I thought, maybe you're giving me 15 more years. I don't know, I don't know. So I kind of was wondering that. So I marked down the calendar the very week after 15 years to see where I went. Well, on that very week, 15 years after I died of leukemia, I was at the beach with my two granddaughters here, Kylie and Kenzie, and I got a call from UCLA Medical. And they said, Ron Vietti, 
your last blood test, the results just came in, and you are a dying man right now. You got to get down to UCLA immediately. And I go, oh my gosh, this is 15 years to the week, to the week. I, ah. And I went down, they said, man, you're dying. We got to do some more tests and everything and, and horrible. And so I went home and my elders heard about it. They came to my house and they went, we're going to pray for you right now. Let's get fired up. And I just said, there's a guys, I'm going to die. I think now with hindsight, God said 15 years and that's probably it. And so anyway, they, they left, and one elder stayed over. said, Ron, you got to get the fire back up. Let's, let's ask for another 15, 20 years. Let's ask for another. Come on. I said, man, I just don't know. So finally, he got me to pray. And I said, okay, God, I'm begging you. Give me some more time. I'm not through with my, my job yet. And lo and behold, uh, I told him, I said, you know what? Even if God gives me 15 more years, uh, it's not gonna do any good because UCLA has my blood and my blood says I'm dying. <laughs> and they're gonna to wanna to do all this radiation, all this terrible stuff to me. So, I mean, he'd have to change the blood down at UCLA. He said, let's ask him to even do that. And so we prayed this radical prayer. Next morning, I could not believe it. My doctor, Dr. Paquette, called me. He said, Ron Vietti, are you sitting down? I have to apologize to you. We have made the biggest goof up. I don't even know how we did it. We went and took that same blood that showed you were dying yesterday, and we've spun it again and again and again, and it says you're perfectly healthy. And I want to apologize to your wife, to your children, to everybody. And God spoke to me right then and there. He said, you know what? I did allow it to come back. I allowed it to come back, and I took it away again to show you that no man is in charge of your health. I am. And you won't die till I say you're going to die. I took this out of my deal. I carry this in my wallet. It's United States of America temporary green card. It's a visa. And it says in the back, this card entitles Ron Vietti to be on this earth for as long as it takes for him to do God's will for his life. And as soon as that's done, I'm out. I'm gone. And so I think it's going to be 85 probably. And, uh, and then the last one I just want to reiterate because I got something I want to do in the ending is that uh, I already told you don't expect God's ways to always make sense. Um, if you try to, to figure this stuff out, you're gonna miss it. I, I had a saying lately, and you better hear this. I might have said it last time I was here, but it's been my year saying that when you live by faith, you will do stuff you would not normally do to get things you would not normally get. Did you hear that again? When you live by faith, you will do things you would not normally do to get things you wouldn't normally get. I lived by faith and started a church in Las Vegas when I knew no one there. And we've got almost 1,500, 2,000 meeting over there today. I got something I would not normally get because I stepped out in faith. But the same token, if you live by fear, you will do stuff you wouldn't normally do and you will mess your life up. God's way does not make sense much. Last God story. And then I'm gonna end with something really cool. We were in Mulahe. We used to go down there all the time on missions, and we haven't went down lately because the violence is getting too bad in Mexico. But we went down one day, and we had five video recorders, and we, we took them and dropped them off in, in, in five different villages so we could send them video cassettes of the sermon and disciple all these people that had given their life to the Lord. And one day, we went to one certain village, and, and I said, oh, man, this is really in need here. Go get a video cassette recorder. We got to have one for here for sure. They said, Pastor, we gave them all out. They're gone. I said, you don't have one? They said, no, we gave them all out. I said, well, we gotta have one here. I can't go home without these people having one because we won't be back for six months or eight months. We've gotta find, so you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna pray and go downtown and find one. And the people there said, pastor, no videos in 
Mulay, no, no, we, they don't sell them here. You won't find one here. I said, well, we'll find one somewhere. I'll guarantee we have to have one. It's God's will. And so we all got around and prayed, went downtown, and uh, it was on a Saturday, and man, there was no parking places, and there was three of us in a van. We were caravanning. And so finally, we couldn't find a parking place. And I said, gang, right now, let me say a prayer with everybody in the vans. I said, right now, Father God, you know where there's a video recorder. Give us a parking place right in front of the place where there's a video recorder. In Jesus' name, amen. And immediately, somebody pulled out the grocery store right in front, and I zoomed in, and oh, well, there ain't no video recorder in a grocery store. We know that for sure. So other people found a place to park. For two hours, we walked around that whole city. We were sweating. Every nook and cranny. No, no, no video recorders. No, 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 you got to go somewhere else. None here. And so finally, we went back to the car, and we were sweating. And I said, you know what? I thought for sure God was going to give one. They said, Pastor, what'd you pray? Give us a parking place in front of the place with a video recorder. Oh, it's a grocery store. So I went in and saw the clerk. I said, hey, you got a video recorders? No, grocery store, no video recorders. So we started walking around, and I went back in the corner, and there laid a perfectly brand new video recorder on the floor. I picked it up and went front. I said, what is it? What? Where'd you find that? that I said, I found it back there. I'll buy it. Now you say, well, maybe in that God story, what if one of the other people you gave it to brought it? That's possible. But how did God give me a parking place smack dab in front of the very place it was at? Will you answer that for me? I was right in front of that grocery store. I'm telling you, gang, listen to me. We are called, do you get it? The Lord's last words were to us was, go make disciples. That's never changed. Someday when we get to heaven, he's gonna say, Where's your disciples? I used to use an old saying that said, let's say that my dad was rich. He left me with a shoe factory, so I'm going away for a while. It's always gone. We oil the machinery every day, and we water it down, and we go through all this stuff, and we keep it in good working order, and he comes back. He says, okay, where's my shoes at? And he says, you want his shoes? Shoe factory, want his shoes? Now, I'm not trying to condemn you, you know, but you need to be in the process of planting seeds, praying for people. That, that's, that's doing the work. We haven't been left here just to wait for him to come back and go to heaven. We got a job to do. And every one of us need to be involved in that job. You need to be colonizing the place you work, colonizing your neighborhood, getting people saved. That's the reason Jesus left here. There's no retirement in God's plan. None, absolutely zero. I'm gonna leave you with this. I think it's gonna speak to more people than one. I was going through a lot of stuff right now lawsuits here and there, all kinds of stuff. And I got down and prayed, and I said, God, I need to hear you right now. I need to be encouraged the day before yesterday. And somebody sent me this song. Most of you have heard this song. You've been playing the radio a lot. I cut it down to a minute 53, but this song is a rhema for more than one of you right now. This is from God to you. Listen to that, and then I'll give it to Phil. I'm out of here. Listen to the song.
Let's say a thank you to Pastor Ron, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. Bye.